Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. And I'm Alex. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Join our community by subscribing to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are also available on all major podcasting platforms by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? On today's show, we're going to go over the Week 10 matchups and cover what was one of the best weeks of football that I can remember. And that's considering Kansas City, L.A., Miami, and Philadelphia were on bye and didn't even play. So I am excited to break down all the recaps from this from these matchups. We're going to look at injuries. We're going to look at fantasy-relevant news like signings, cuts, team meetings, uh, total implosions. We're going to talk about the Bills' complete meltdown. We're going to talk about all of these close games and talk about our previous picks going into that week. So let's get kicked off, and we'll get started right here with the Thursday night matchup, the Panther, the Panthers versus the Bears. Jeff, how did you feel about this one? I know I it's your team. Fifth. I you're played the so fifth. Dismayed, you're, not even, you're so dismayed you're not even wearing your Panthers gear right now. Nope, we don't even recognize the term Panther in this household anymore. So I'm going to let you go ahead and break this one down because this one is still painful for, for me because this was should have been a for sure win for Carolina. Well, nothing's for sure in the NFL. And these two teams were basically on par talent-wise at this stage in the season. And I think that for me, I thought this was more of a 50-50 matchup. So both teams had a chance to beat each other. Unfortunately for Jeff, in this case, Chicago got the win. And they started badging again, or Bajant, however we want to say his name. We'll just pick one whatever so they don't have justin fields back yet and they still were able to get a ugly ugly victory 16 to 13 basically finished it off in the fourth quarter not much positive to say for this matchup foreman was still the lead dog we think herbert's coming back this week and might take over that job or at least split it 50 50 still no roshan emergence i'm a little sad about that dj moore didn't have that great of a game cole Komet had an okay game just considering he's a tight end no one else really had fantasy relevance. We didn't get a good feeling game, although we got six catches. So that's something for you PPR players. But Chubba Hubbard, not good. Miles Sanders, even worse. Bryce Young, well, he didn't get a turnover. So that's a positive, but not much to say about this. Nope, it was a painful standalone game. And luckily, luckily, when we get to our breakdown of next week's games, that seems like those painful standalone games will end for a bit. We'll see. <laughs> but I do expect Foreman to continue the lead on this backfield. Um, and I think Herbert will be brought into the backfield as well. I just don't know how you stop writing this hot hand of Foreman right now. And and Herbert is much better. I think Herbert's better than Foreman, much better than Foreman. But uh, I don't know how you stop writing the hot hand when the hot hand is actually as good as Foreman is at this exact moment. Well, it goes to show you that a lot of coaches right now really like the physical backs that can really punish the defense. And Foreman right now is that back for Chicago, but I expect Herbert to be the more athletic back, the speedier back that comes in. And I think he'll eventually regain the starter role. But I'm sad that Roshan's not filling the role instead of Foreman. Absolutely. It's uh, it's going to be, Roshan looks to be the third back right now. And that's just something that from the preseason was not a very good call. But uh, as you know, you're usually a year early, so next year, Broshan might be the lead dog in Chicago. All right. Well, let's move on to another miserable matchup, and that is the Indianapolis Colts and New England Patriots in Germany. And that was a whopping 10-6 to score with Indianapolis getting the win. Jeff, what do we make of these two teams, and is Gardner Minshew crashing back down to earth? So Minshew is outplaying a lot of his competition, which isn't really saying too much, but this was the worst international game that was actually the last international game of the year. I know we're talking about Minshew here, and I think he's just, I think he's one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. So what that means is that he should be starting for a team, but do I think he's a long-term starter anywhere? Probably not. But I do think he's a long-term clipboard holder for a team at some point as well. Like think Ryan Fitzpatrick type. Not a, a guy that's not afraid to sling the ball. Um, I'm not sure 
flipping to the other quarterback situation. I'm not sure how New England goes back to Mac Jones when they benched him in a two-minute drive down four when they needed a touchdown to win. They benched him for Bailey Zappi, and I don't understand how they would go back to Mac Jones after that. They basically were saying that you can't win this this game right here, so we're going to go in a different direction. I don't understand how they go back to him and trust him with the offense going forward. Um, Some positives for Indy. Jonathan Taylor is the no-doubt-about-it lead back now. Pittman is the no doubt about it lead receiver at this point. However, um, I don't know if you noticed, but Josh Jones made a couple of key and clutch catches. Um, I, I can recall uh, backed up deep. Minshew launched one right into uh, Josh Jones. And uh, yeah, I just think he's he's hurt right now. And I think he's coming along as a rookie. And I think he's going to be the number two for a long, long time in Indy as long as they retain Michael Pittman, which there is no guarantee on that either. The one positive loan spot for New England is Douglas appears to be a real weapon in New England, and they finally get one of the uh, get a receiver to be a good loan, uh, good draft pick for them, which is not something that's normal and it's pretty rare. And then also the last thing I want to say on this game is New England got their run game going, but but Ramondre Stevenson does appear to be injured, and we need to check his back and injury reports going into next week to see if he's going to play or not. Did I miss anything on that? And what do you feel about them going back to Mac Jones at this point? Well, I think you pretty much covered. All of it. Just the only thing I'll say about Mac Jones is I think the only reason why they go back to Mac Jones is Bailey Zappi is even worse. It didn't take him very long to throw an interception and it happened to be a game loser. Mac Jones actually, in my opinion, outplayed Gardner Minshew. I know it seems crazy based on how bad Mac Jones has been this season, but he had a better game than Gardner Minshew. Just New England's defense, I don't feel like they were holding up their end of the bargain and I don't think that the play call was very good for New England either on the offensive side. I just don't know how this gets better during the season. I think that <laughs> they're going to get stuck. I don't think that Kraft wants to fire Belichick during the season. I think he's hoping to work on a trade and trade Belichick to a different team. So I don't expect him to actually fire Belichick. So it's not considering. Get yeah, considering his contract is really expensive, I can't expect them to get too much back for Bill Belichick at this point. And he really Anything hasn't produced much lately. Yeah. It might be like a seventh round pick. I don't know because I feel like somebody would offer something almost what Denver paid to get Sean Payton. Yeah, but Sean Payton still had a winning culture when he was sought after. Bill Belichick has not had a winning culture since Brady left. Yeah, I think people will, someone will make that move and that someone will suffer, but that person, that one team will do it. I think it'll be the commanders. And I don't really like what that means for Sam Howell because I don't really like how he treats quarterbacks, to be honest. Okay. Can I say the first yeah. two games you got right last week? I got wrong, so I just want to be very transparent that I'm going to be eating a lot of crow this week, but I'll be sure to point out when I'm not eating crow, and I'll make Alex eat his fair share as well. <laughs> All right, well, we can move over to a game where we both eat crow, and that is the Browns at the Ravens. I don't think anyone can fault us for picking the Ravens because they should have won. They almost won, but the Browns got it right at the end. Jeff, what were your takeaways in this matchup? Do you think well, that uh, do you think Watson or Lamar Miller or sorry Lamar Jackson? <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. The Lamar Jackson, which one of those two guys is the better quarterback, and which one played better? Uh, definitely Lamar Miller. I mean Jackson. Um, as you can see, that was a little bit facetious there. No, I think they both played pretty equal in this matchup. To be honest, there wasn't anything stellar about it, but they also didn't do a ton terrible. In this matchup, I think Watson gutted through a performance, and it was a great comeback for him and the Browns. I think there were three bright spot weapons in this matchup, and one was Jerome Ford, Amari Cooper, and Zay Flowers. Everyone else was kind of just like a a guy. Um, Even Mark Andrews was a guy right now. One thing I did notice in this matchup, though, is Ninjoko is becoming a second target for Watson, which is actually a pretty big deal. Because tight end is a wasteland this year. And if you could scoop up a tight end that's a second target on a team that passes a decent amount, that's actually a pretty big deal. And then Keaton Mitchell had, what, three touches and played like 13 or 14 snaps last week. I expect him to be more heavily involved going forward, but he made a mark in the few snaps that he played this week. But there's a chance at some point that he is the back in Baltimore. I just don't think they're quite there yet. And plus, going into last week, he had a hamstring injury. The last thing I'll say about this game is Alex texted me during this game and said that I should have picked the Ravens as my survivor pick of the week, which I've already picked them, and I can't do that. So for you, for those of you out there that know what a survivor pool is, you can't do that. But that turned out to be something that Alex probably needs to eat a little crow over. 
Alex, I'll let you eat a little bit of that crow and give us anything that I may have missed on this matchup. Look, Jeff has to really reach to make me eat crow because I'm usually right. So, oh, you really got to work for it. But sure, I'll take that. To, to be fair, I mean, I'm pretty sure at that point they were up pretty good, <laughs> at least at least 17 to, to 9. It looked like it was going to get worse. So, okay, but I'll eat crow. I just want to point out a couple things. Is that because you're a French things. runner? Sure. I just want to point out a couple <laughs> things. So, looking at the box score also having watched a bunch of this game because it was one of the many really good games this weekend. I think that we're underselling Elijah Moore a little bit because he's averaged six and a half targets the entire season. So each week he's averaged six and a half targets. I think they're finally starting to build a connection. He got the touchdown this week. And I will also point out Cedric Tillman had three targets in this game. One of them was almost a touchdown. So I think Tillman's going to get involved as well. So, it looks to me like Deshaun Watson with him getting more and more comfortable being back, being the full-time starter, and now having all the weapons that he has with Cooper and Joku, Moore, Ford, Tillman. I think that this offense is going to be more dynamic than it has been for most of the season, coupled with that defense. I think they're going to be really good, and I think that they might stay in playoff contention as well as even make the playoffs at this point. It looks like anyone in that, that AFC North could make the playoffs too. So that whole division right now looks awesome. It's uh, unfortunate for Baltimore side that they didn't win this game. They gave up on the run game. I feel like too early. I feel like Keaton Mitchell should have had more rushes than he did. And Gus Edwards should have had a little bit less. I think that's going to be corrected next week. So I expect Mitchell to bounce back. I love Zay Flowers. I like how involved he is all the time. Um, it looks like Beckham is the end zone guy now instead of Mark Andrews, which is really weird to me. I know it was a really, really uh, long pass, but I think that Beckham's been getting some special plays. So I think he is the second receiver to Flowers. Obviously, you can't bench Mark Andrews, but this was a really, really good game. 33-31 Cleveland. All right. So I do want to add one last thing there that I think in my preseason predictions that I had this division very close and I had them finishing in an order of where I had the Browns, the number one in this division. And you definitely gave me my fair share of slack on that one. So uh, what do you got to say about that now? They're still not going to finish as the number one team in that division. Okay. Okay. They just beat the team that you think is going to be the number one team in that division. Yeah, but the season we're we're just wrapping up week 10 right they're gonna have mm -hmm. seven more games all mm -hmm. of them so we'll see how it shakes out but right now they might make the playoffs Steelers might make the playoffs Bengals would I would think would make the playoffs but the Texans knocked them out right now so uh, <laughs> that's all I have to say about that right now at this moment but we can if you have nothing else we can move on to the next AFC team and that is the Steelers who played the Packers at home so we both picked Steelers Steelers won a little bit controversial ending but Steelers I think should have been favored and they won so that's what I expected Jeff what do you make of these offenses both Packers and Steelers and what do you make of this matchup so no Steeler gets over four targets I don't believe any of them are startable like they're, they're nobody that I'm going to be rushing out to put into my starting lineup going forward so it's something to, uh, they kind of should be on the bench right now. Deontay and Pickens should be on the bench. Let's see here. We also have Christian Watson, who doesn't appear to be it. It does appear that Reed and Dobbs and Musgrave appear to be the starters going forward for Green Bay. So that does say something right now. I don't think that Christian Watson is it. He's someone that if, if someone, if you have him in a league, I would try to trade him, see if someone still believes in his value, because I just don't believe in his value this year or going forward. And then kind of some interesting things about the running back position. Dylan outperforms Jones, but I do think Jones is the better running back. And then Warren outperforms Harris and Warren becomes the starter today for Pittsburgh. So I do expect there to be like a 55-45 split, but I think 55 will go to Warren now moving forward as opposed to Harris. So it'll be interesting to see there. The Steelers do appear to be headed for a, another over 500 season under Tomlin, but that's all I have. Do you believe us, any Steelers are startable moving forward in the receiving game? Yeah, I still think Deontay Johnson's startable, and I think that Pickens is a flex play. That's pretty much it. Uh, you, it's not like we were hoping that they'd at least be wide receiver twos. Right now, that's not the case. Right. They may fluctuate, 
but I feel like you can start Jalen Warren and Najee Harris every week. And I don't think quote unquote starter, that that tag really means much. Whereas so with Green Bay, I kind of differ from you because I still think that Christian Watson is the better talent at wide receiver. However, he's been playing through injuries. Also, Aaron Jones is still playing through some injuries that limits their effectiveness. I I think that Jalen Reed is the better possession receiver. So I think right now he's the better fantasy option. And I think Christian Watson's a better dynasty asset, if that makes sense. But I wouldn't trust him in my starting lineup. I would keep him on the bench until otherwise. However, I'm not sure how much is going to get better with Jordan Love as the quarterback. Same thing with Pittsburgh. I don't know how these receivers are going to improve with Kenny Pickett and Canada calling the offense. All right. Anything else on this matchup before we move on to the next one? How do you feel about Warren? I mean, I feel like Warren and Najee are both RB2s or flex plays. So I don't think either one of them right now, in my opinion, is an RB1. That's not to say it can't change, but I view them still. My view of them hasn't changed. They're they're basically 1A, 1B. So this is another AFC North matchup moving on to with a victory by by uh, non-AFC North team. And I'll let you take it away with what game it is because it's your team pulling the upset, which really helped me. The Houston Texans with CJ Stroud upset Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. I was kind of surprised even with how much I love the Texans. I love CJ Stroud. I also like Joe Burrow. Um, I was surprised that they beat him in Cincinnati. A lot of that is uh, uh, CJ Stroud outdueled him, and the Texans were able to get two very crucial turnovers, forced Burrow to get two picks. Uh, even still, even with that, there was a dropped pass from Tyler Boyd that should have been caught that would have put them in scoring position. So it was a tough game. It was a high-scoring game. I'm a huge fan of both these teams, more so of the Texans, but 30 to 27, tough, a tough, tough victory. The Texans also had a run game going for really the first time all season. So Damian Pierce was out. Singletary got the start. He got 150 yards off 30 carries and a touchdown. That's great to see. It looks like the run blocking was better. looks like teams are forced to respect Stroud and back up and provide space. Uh, Jeff is patiently waiting for me to say that he was right about Singletary for this week at least. We'll see if it continues for the rest of the season. I just hope that they have the run game figured out no matter who it is at this point. Noah Brown had two back-to-back 100-yard receiving games, first time in his career ever. Didn't do it with the Cowboys, but has done it with Stroud two weeks in a row. 172 yards receiving off seven receptions. Phenomenal. Tank Dell, however, is the leading targeted player for the Texans. There are a lot of disconnects there, and I think the Bengals worked really hard to try to shut him down a little bit, but he had a very crucial end-of-the-game touchdown. I love this team, how they're going. I can't wait to see how they are when they're 100% full strength. I don't think that these weapons are anything to slouch at. I do think Stroud has lifted them up, but I also think that they've been good weapons. It's unfortunate that uh, Robert Woods and John Metzie are not part of those those weapons, but I think Tank Dell, I think Nico Collins, I think Dalton Schultz, and I think even Noah Brown at this point are, are really good options in fantasy, at least uh, startable. Absolutely. And I will take my victory lap on Singletary first. But uh, I do believe that you told me that Pierce was going to get at least 1300 yards rushing this year. And it does not appear that that will be the case. But this was a huge win for the Texans. And it really did help me in my survivor league. I know half the teams went home because of this game. So it, it, it warmed my heart and warmed my soul that I did not pick this game as my survivor pick of the of the week. But it came down to the wire. I do believe Stroud outdueled Burrow in this matchup. I do believe that Burrow and Stroud were missing their top weapons in this matchup with Higgins and Collins out. So it's not like anyone had more of an advantage over the other. But I do think Singletary did this performance against a tough defense. And I think he's likely to be the lead dog moving forward, even when Pierce is healthy, which is kind of a a, a complete 180 because I didn't expect him to take over as the lead dog in this. I just expected him to take just enough away from Pierce to make neither one of them effective. But Noah Brown, Chase, and Boyd all go over the century mark receiving. So that's really good there. And Boyd, you were right about Boyd. I'll give you 100% credit on that. I didn't realize how good Boyd was this year. And he does it again this this week with, a, with another 100-yard performance. Noah Brown does it again. I don't know if I buy him with when you get the full complement of receivers back for the Texans. But for now, 
I trust him at least as a fill-in and uh and we'll see but he's at least on some of my benches now and some of my starting lineups this week because i don't have a choice i will just say one thing damian pierce has eight more games to play and he's got 973 yards he has to reach to get 1300 yards that's 121.625 yards per game so all he has to do is do that and i'll be right jeff all he has to do is 100 and basically 22 yards per game for the rest of the season and i'll be right how much faith? How much do you want to bet that he does not do that? What do I get? Extra super odds? Do I get like a thirty to one? Yeah, I get like a thirty to one. Yeah, I'll put up thirty million if you put up one million. <laughs> uh, I'll give you one dollar. Dollar if you give me. 30. Give me one daughter, please. Yeah. One dollar. <laughs> With else? Huh? I don't think you're allowed to bet kids like that. <laughs> no. But I'll give you one American dollar if you give yes. me 30 bucks when I get it right. Is this going to be like a doll hair situation where in, no, in Dumb and Dumber? Or where I'll, give like... you, I'll give you an actual American dollar. Because <laughs> he was like, uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you five doll hairs. <laughs> uh, good times. All right. Let's move on to the next matchup here. And that is the Saints at Vikings. We both picked the Saints in this one, and uh, I'll just blame it on Carr getting injured. Got a shoulder injury in this matchup. They switched to Winston after that. Uh, I think that Dobbs, as all of you know, had Creed blaring while he was playing in this game, and it was just his arms were wide open, and he was just rushing into the end zone by himself, willing the Vikings to a victory. So I, I think that once Winston's in for the Saints, I don't know if you got my reference, but once Winston was in for the Saints, he completely ignored Kamara almost entirely. And if Carr is out for any significant time, I'm worried about Kamara actually uh, getting the PPR points that we're accustomed, accustomed to. And that's very concerning to me as someone who owns Kamara in at least a league or two. So Jeff, I don't know how you felt about that matchup, but it seems like, Winston also likes targeting Olave, so I can see more of that. Michael Thomas being both injured and arrested. I think that A.T. Perry is finally getting some targets and might get, get showcased. How do you feel about this whole matchup? Also with Dobbs, looks like he's targeting T.J. Hawkinson almost exclusively, and that's basically one of the <laughs> things that we said last week going into this matchup to expect. So basically, that was a little bit of a shock because he was supposed to not be as heavily involved because of an injury going into the game. And I don't know if you saw a few times Hawkinson did crawl off the field injured. And basically that was, it was scary. But did you notice that Winston outperformed Carr like in the small amount of time, like Winston made this offense look better than Carr had made it look the entire game. And do you believe there is a quarterback controversy there moving forward? I don't think so. Carr is a better decision maker. Winston just pushed the ball further downfield and actually targeted Olave. That's really the difference. Really what we need is a balance between the two. We need a Derek Carr that actually pushes the ball down the field and still involves Kamara. Yeah, absolutely. And I did like how Winston targeted Kamara down the stretch. So there was that piece of it as well that I loved from Winston that I didn't see last year. So is it possible that he could grow as a passer just from sitting behind Carr and sitting on the bench? I believe there is. I do believe at some point that there could be a team that gives Winston a shot to be a starter or compete for a starting job because I do believe that he is better than a chunk of the starters that are in the league right now. He also had a connection with Olave, so it made Olave look the best Olave's look this year. Just something that I noticed. Kamara only got nine carries but added seven catches. I did bench Hawkinson in my guillotine league because I was so worried about how limited that he was going to be in this game, and he ends up with 15 targets. So, Clearly that was overblown, and sometimes you need to cut through coach speak and figure out what's true and not true. But uh, I survived this week, but I would have done a lot better and survived a lot better with Hawkinson in my lineup. And then Madison has a concussion, and he's probable to miss this upcoming week. So do you believe that Ty Chandler is the back there now, or do you think that believe, believe that Ty Chandler is the back going forward there? I think Ty Chandler is the back for now. I haven't seen enough from him to feel like he will supplant Madison when Madison's back. That, that's just how I feel about it. I don't think Ty Chandler is, is anything special either. I would think that they're going to be looking for a running back next season to upgrade the position. All right. Anything else you want to add to this matchup before we move on? Nope. We can move on. Okay. Right. 
we have the 49ers at the Jaguars, and we both picked the Niners in this one. Jeff, did you think it was going to be a blowout like this? 34-3 to San Francisco. No. I thought this was going to be a much closer matchup. We both picked the Niners to win this matchup, but I do believe Purdy is back, and I want to thank you for the advice to start him, even though you told me to start Lawrence over him. You did beat me this week, but it wasn't because of Purdy and Lawrence. So CMC streak is over. Kittle and Kirk both break the century mark in this matchup. And then what, so my question for you before I let you fully break this down is what do you do with Calvin Ridley at this point? Well, uh, if I had Calvin Ridley, he'd be riding the bench weeks ago. As you know, Jeff, going into the season, I thought I was higher on Christian Kirk than most people. And I thought that Calvin Ridley was going too high in drafts and Christian Kirk was going too low because I thought they'd be more similar. But Kirk has been the much better receiver to date. And I don't think that that's necessarily Calvin Ridley's fault. I think Calvin Ridley is still a talented receiver, and they should have been involving him more often. But it also seems like Lawrence has regressed a lot. I don't think that Lawrence is playing very well. Granted, it's a revitalized 49ers tough defense that reunited Chase Young with Bosa. They were college teammates, and they looked phenomenal. So granted, he's probably under pressure the entire game, but he just didn't look great. He, like, he, didn't, he didn't look like someone... Everyone's been touting as the next great quarterback to enter the league since Andrew Luck. So I don't know how you felt about it, and I don't know how you felt about Travis Etienne crashing back to earth for the first time. Yeah, I just think that the Jaguars walked up against a angry 49ers team, and this is what the 49ers can do when they're angry. I do think that they still are the best team in football currently, um, and they showed it right here. Purdy's worst games came during and post-concussion, which I don't think is a coincidence because I do think that those concussions or the concussion one affected his decision-making skills. And now that he's had a little bit of time to rest, you can tell that his decision-making is a lot better at this point, but I'm also benching Kelvin Ridley at this point, And I don't have anything else to add on this matchup. Do you have anything left to add here? The only thing I'll add is this to me kind of has exposed the Jaguars as kind of a pretender team this year. I don't think that they're a contender. They're they're probably going to make the playoffs, but I don't think that they're going to go very far. All right. We were both right on that matchup, and then we need to move on to the next matchup where I was wrong and you were right, and we're getting to that to be a theme here. It was the Titans at the Buccaneers, and I will let you go ahead and get this started. So there was a brief moment at the beginning of this game where it looked like the Titans might pull out a victory, and then they were completely stomped uh, the whole rest of the game. Tampa Bay controlled everything they controlled the time of possession they controlled the score and it didn't look like will levis was ever going to get past his tampa bay defense derrick henry had one of his worst weeks of the year just 24 yards on 11 rushes i just don't see how tennessee is going to be a playoff team at all at this point they're three and six they've been better off trading away some players and now it's too late i don't see them bouncing back i thought baker mayfield played very well he did have the one pick, but he played a strong game. Mike Evans had a phenomenal game. Before this game, I was able to trade Josh Dobbs in a two-quarterback league for Mike Evans, and he did very well for me. Rashad White had a good game. That's, I mean, it's really those two guys, those three guys, if you count Baker Mayfield. Will Levis looked like a rookie. He had some some good plays, but finished with less than 50% completion percentage and a 53 QBR, which... I think was due to happen. And I think he's going to be that kind of quarterback where he fluctuates between having a phenomenal game and a terrible game. So this is the Titans team, the Titans team that I thought they'd be. And I'm also disappointed for those of you who have DeAndre Hopkins, because I think he should have had more on eight, eight targets than he did with the three receptions for 27 yards. Yeah. I didn't really like the Titans game plan in this game. Um, Levis looked okay. Looked like a rookie this week. But Henry only got 11 carries. That's not really helping the rookie in this particular matchup. I don't know if you noticed this, but Mike Evans only needs 263 yards for 1,000 for this year. And I believe that he was one of the draft day steals for drafts this past year. And then um, do you believe that Baker has earned a shot to be the 2023 or 2024 starter for the Buccaneers after his 2023 Absolutely. performance? Yeah, I think that he is the – this is the perfect team for Baker Mayfield. A pretty solid defense. To like really good receivers. I think you can make a case the offensive line should be a little bit better, but at the same time, 
they're by no means the worst offensive line in the league. I think having Mike Evans is Mike Evans to me is the perfect receiver for a player like Baker Mayfield. And I, I think that Godwin is even a good, good receiver. I think that they can scheme Godwin in a little bit better, but this offensive coordinator has really brought out the best traits for Baker Mayfield. All right. I don't have anything else on that matchup. I was a little disappointed in the Titans, but uh, really, really stoked over what Baker Mayfield showed with the Buccaneers in that matchup. So we can move forward to a matchup where we're both right, which we're both really surprised that we both picked the Cardinals in this matchup. I'll let you go ahead and break down this Falcons at Cardinals matchup. And what do you think of the Falcons first? First of all, Jeff, you know what I'm going to say about this matchup. We've got another bird bowl. Falcons and, and <laughs> Cardinals. <laughs> you got to do it every time. Every time. I, I think it's awesome that we picked the Cardinals because I don't think everyone would have done that. And Kyler Murray outplayed two quarterbacks in this matchup. He outplayed Heineke and Ritter both. I know that doesn't show in the, Q, in the QBR, but at least on the ground, I think that he made plays when he needed to to keep the chains going. I think that James Conner, it's nice to see him back, and he played very well. Thought he was the best running back on the field, and that includes his opponent, Bijan Robinson, on the other side. I thought that Trey McBride, I wasn't sure who the, the number one target would be right off the bat with Kyler Murray, but Trey McBride was it. Nine targets, eight receptions, 131 yards. Uh, I would like to see more go Michael Wilson's way, but he did have six targets. So hopefully there is more to come there. Rondell Moore outshined Marquise Brown with eight targets, five receptions for 43 yards. Not impressive right now, but it is an interesting sign. We'll see if we'll see if that those target shares continue on into the next week. But the Falcons are just one of those dismal teams. They had supposedly an easy schedule and they just can't get a win when they need to. They're now four and six. Even though the Saints lost, the Saints are still in the division lead, but the Saints and the Bucks look like the two best teams in that division. Falcons look like they're going to keep sinking. At this point, I'm wondering if the Panthers are going to end up with a better record than the Falcons, the way that they're crumbling. And man, um, I don't know what's going to happen to this offense that they should be performing way better than what they are with the roster talent. But I just think Arthur Smith, he's, he's the reason, he's the thing holding this team back the number one reason this team is being held back in my opinion. And I think he's going to have to get fired for it to get better. <laughs> Did you see that they are thinking about keeping him going forward? Like they're not even considering getting rid of him this year unless he loses the team was what was said. I think he's going to lose the team soon. So I, I think that's going to change the opinion anyway. I think he can point to the quarterbacks on his roster and say, I just don't have a good enough quarterback. But I don't think that that's the cause. I think the quarterbacks have played just well enough that they should be getting wins. But it's the scheme that's just garbage. Absolutely. All right. So as far as my take on this matchup, it was great, great, great to see Kyler back. You know how I feel about Kyler. I feel like he's a he's a guy that overcomes dysfunction. And I think the Cardinals have been nothing but dysfunction. For the last few years, they've had some one-year coaches. They had a Cliff Kingsbury mess up. They had a GM that stepped down because for whatever reason. Um, and he's got him to the playoffs once. So in a tough division. So I think that Kyler here is on a, a mission to prove that he's the guy here. Um, it does look like he's found a receiver in McBride, a tight end receiver. It's nice to see James Conner return as well. We also have Bijan's the lone bright spot here for the Falcons because it does appear that they're going to feature him the rest of the season. And it does seem like the reasoning for that is some of the peer pressure that they've gotten from fans on this. So it does seem like the fans are getting their way with the Bijan rush here because I don't think that they had any plans to change how they were running their offense. Um, but Pitts nor London, not no-brainer starts at this exact moment. So that means that uh, you, if you have better options, start them. Don't feel like you got to start them at this point. Anything I missed on that matchup? We both got that one correct. No, I think that's it. So I think we can move on to the game of the week, Jeff. And that's Detroit at the Los Angeles Chargers. And since I talked so much the last couple matchups, Jeff, why don't you take away this matchup? You're loving this too much. And this is a little depressing for me because of the results of this matchup. But we have the game of the week with 79 total points. As you had mentioned, the game of the week. We have Herbert, Eckler, Allen, 
and uh, shine. And then Johnston's role is growing inside of the Chargers offense. And I know that is a little disheartening to you, but uh, he is growing and I see it every week. So will he grow enough this year to be a, to help them be a playoff team? We will see. Montgomery comes back and leads the backfield, but Gibbs scores twice. So that'll be an interesting backfield mix going forward. My first question for you about this, are both of them startable going forward? And then the last thing I want to say is Keenan Allen outshines everyone on this entire day. But uh, is St. Brown human? He just seems to rack up 100 yards easily on each game. But uh, I'll let you start with my Gibbs question and my Gibbs Montgomery question and then move over to the St. Brown. Is he, is he human? I think David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs are absolutely startable every week. I know they're absolute upside is capped by each other, but they're still RB2s at a minimum. RB2s are flexes every week. Uh, it's hard for me to even foresee taking either one of them out of my lineup at this point. I think when it comes to Amon Ra St. Brown, I think that he is literally the sun god, so no, he's not human. Uh, and I think that he and Kamara are two of the best re- best possession wide receivers. And I just I don't see anyone doing the kind of things that they're really doing as far as being able to move all around the field, playing from the slot, playing from outside, going over the middle, getting the tough catches, getting the first downs. I just think they're Swiss Army knives. They can be used all over the field, and there's not many guys these days that can do all the things that they can. Are they the top-level athletes that other receivers, like Jamar Chases? No, but I think they're excellent in, in their own ways. So I just happen to have both those guys on the same team, which is, Awesome. At least for this week, it was especially awesome. Uh, I think that the only other bright, the only other bright spot is Austin Eckler every week, but it's usually more on his receiving prowess. Um, your boy Quentin Johnston got a touchdown. I w- I'm just wondering if you're happy. I know Jalen Guyton did the same thing with more yards, four catches and a touchdown for both those guys. How do you feel about that going forward? Do you think that? One of these guys is going to be the second receiving option to Keenan Allen, or do you think that they're just going to be peripheral guys for the rest of the year? What do you think? So I think the hope is that Palmer comes back at some point and contributes down the stretch, but I think Johnson is going to continue to grow into that second receiver role. Um, I don't think Guyton was supposed to be anything more than a deep threat, and he's also coming off of an ACL tear last season. That's why he missed the first half of this season. But yeah, like I don't think anything has went as expected for the receiving core for the Chargers. Like They expected to have Mike Williams. They expected to have Josh Palmer. The only thing that's went as expected is Keenan Allen, and I think part of them wanted Keenan Allen to take a step back this year. Like I don't think they wanted him to disappear, but I don't think they wanted him to be as involved as he's been this year. Yeah, my opinion still hasn't changed on Quentin Johnston. His his touchdown, <laughs> he was wide open in the back of the end zone. I mean, I expect any receiver to make that catch. So he hasn't done anything special for the first half of the game. He looked like he had rocks in his shoes when he was running routes. I think Jalen Guyton already looks like a better receiver just coming off of an ACL tear. So I expect Guyton to be the number two guy behind Keenan Allen. Obviously, I'm not counting Eckler in that scenario. I'm just counting receiver, like actual receivers. That's what I expect. Maybe Josh Palmer comes back, goes back to being the number two for the rest of the year. That's kind of how I see it. Uh, I was a little disappointed with Sam Laporta for Detroit. I think that Brock Wright kind of stole his thunder a little bit, getting three targets and getting that touchdown. That's acceptable every now and then for someone who's been a top three tight end. And I'm referring to Sam Laporta. He's going to have a down game every once in a while. Yeah, I completely agree with that moving forward. But he's probably the number two weapon there for sure. Uh, As far as pass catching options, maybe you could make an argument for Gibbs moving forward as well. But we need to see it a little bit more. Anything else on this matchup? I know this was your team. You're like one of your side teams versus one of my side teams. So side piece versus side piece. In real NFL, not fantasy, in real NFL, would you rather have Jared Goff this year or Justin Herbert? Justin Herbert, no no doubt about it. I think Herbert's been putting up stats, but I actually think Jared Goff's been one of the most accurate quarterbacks. He's been he's been pretty good on the turnover side as well. I just think he's a top five quarterback, and I don't think that anyone gives him the credit for that. For this year, for this year, Jeff, I think you can say for this year at this point in the season, he's been a no. top five real NFL quarterback. Disagree completely. Really? What if they win the Super Bowl? Are you going to change your mind? No. Not he's not Super Bowl. He's not a big part of the offense right now. That's the thing. They're, you don't they're think a so? huge running game. No. If they if they bench Goff and put in another quarterback, let's say Teddy Bridgewater, 
Yep. You don't think that makes a huge difference? Nope. Dude, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. Nope. I Goff? also saw Goff get shipped off from LA and then, then win the Super Bowl right after that. So I've seen that. That yeah, story's already been played also out. also went to the Super Bowl with LA. Okay. But he got outplayed and destroyed and they moved right on from him. All right. When Goff wins the Super Bowl with the Detroit Lions, you're going to have to eat crow. So they're not going to win the Super Bowl. Okay. Okay. Okay, Jeff. This is what our fan, our one fan who watches the show is here for, Jeff. This our is fan? what they're here for. These, these bickerings. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but I believe the Chargers are much poorly run than the Lions are at this point. Mm-hmm. I do believe that teams want to, players want to run through a wall for Campbell. And then I think that it's time for Staley to go out of the Chargers because I think that he can't even, he allowed so many points and he's supposed to be a defensive minded. So he can't even get his side of the ball. Correct. And he's got like two great pass rushers and he cannot even get his side of the ball. Correct. And that is sad. I agree. I think Staley should be fired. And I think everyone's talking about should Kellen Moore be the head coach going forward. And I think that happens sooner rather than later, because I think Eckler started some conversations this week in the media about coaching. So we'll see how much longer that Staley is the head coach in in LA right now. I want to say San Diego, but that is like several years past. All right. So before we hop over to the next matchup, there's a rumor out there that the Texans would have drafted Bryce Young number one overall if they had the number one overall pick. What's really funny about that is it sounds like Lovey Smith winning that final game was a franchise changer for the Texans at this exact point in juncture. So I know they ridiculed him and bashed him perhaps perhaps he saved a whole bunch of people their jobs by by winning that game you know what they say about rumors jeff can't believe them i think it's someone in the panthers organization that wants to look less bad and so they're like oh bryce young but if if you guys watched our preseason stuff you know cj stroud was my number one quarterback going going into the draft and you know i loved his anticipation you wavered I, though. I did. When the S two scores came out, I over I overvalued those supposed results that we don't even know are accurate. Yeah, I, I wavered on that, but I still like okay, I'm gonna stick with it. And I was right. And you know what? Maybe they wanted Bryce Young because everyone said yep. Bryce Young's a smart kid, but we don't know that. And until someone in the Texans organization says we actually were, I mean, it's just a rumor. Well, the rumor came from John McLean, who's an actually well-known Houston sports writer, so he must have some high sources there for that one. John McLean said that the Texans were going to take Johnny Menzel first overall over Jadavion Clowney. So whatever John McLean says, he is, out of all the Houston sports writers, he's the one I respect the least. And he's, <laughs> It's like one of those things where someone's been in the industry for so long that people just respect them because they've been in so long rather than actually look at his body of work and say he's wrong on everything and he has terrible takes. He, his number one claim to fame is he was in, I think, Sharknado 3 or 4. He was randomly one of the uh, people on the beach. Little tidbit. All right. Okay. So we can we can put a put a pin in that one and we can move on to the Giants at the Cowboys. We both got this one right. This was my survivor pick of the week. The Cowboys dominated this game. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this game, but a couple of notes that I have is Dak Prescott showed up in a big way, which is actually a little bit surprising. I did expect it to be a Pollard game. Looks like Dowdle takes over the backfield. Is it time for Pollard owners to panic? And then my other question for you, is this the beginning of Brandon Cooks in Dallas or one game aberration? Brandon Cooks only had a good game because I cut him in a league. That's the only reason. So it'll never happen again. I won't pick him up because he'll just crater back again. So no, that's it. I don't, I I expect him to have like a reasonable contribution, but I don't ever expect him to get 173 yards on nine receptions and a touchdown. I don't think that's ever going to happen again. Um, I agree with you that I think Twaddle is going to start taking more and more snaps away from Tony Pollard. You've harped on all season that you felt Tony Pollard can't handle the full workload of, of a workhorse back. That's proven correct. Week in, week out. They're trying to find, uh, a backfield mate for him and looks like uh doddle is the best that they have on the roster so i expect that that's going to stay the same unless they somehow pull someone off the street which i don't know how many how many of those high caliber players are left outside of that there's really not much to talk about the we expected the cowboys to demolish the giants they did just that so uh, as someone who doesn't like the cowboys admittedly i'm not going to pat them on the back for doing what they should have done 
All right. Anything else with this matchup before we move forward? No, I think that's pretty much it. We just, as usual, the Giants are just a team of misery. Yeah, they're a team that you should be picking your survivor pick against going forward. Too bad I can't do that next week because I already picked Washington. But that brings us to our next game, Washington at the Seahawks. This was another coin flip game where Geno Smith finally bounced back and outplayed Sam Howell. Uh, Brian Robinson looked good receiving as well as Ken Walker took one to the house and Antonio Gibson took one to the house too. Um, So a good day for receiving backs. And then both Metcalf and Lockett were supported in this matchup because Geno finally bounced back. This was in Seattle and Washington took it down to the wire. They actually tied it up late. Um, What are your takeaways from this matchup? Because I know you got it right, but I think you thought this was going to be a much wider gapped matchup than it was. No, I kind of felt these teams are mostly comparable. I felt like Seattle was a better team. I think, I think that I think Seattle has a slightly better defense, but I think everything else are pretty much comparable. I expected more from McLaren and especially Jahan Dotson, so those were two big duds on Washington side. But this this is kind of what I thought they'd be in there. For the most part, this was good for fantasy because I had to play Dino as well as play Sam Howell. I don't have any shares of Brian Robinson. Not that I wouldn't want them, but it just didn't work out that way. But I do have Ke- uh, Kenneth Walker. I do have Metcalf. I do have Lockett. I do have Jackson Smith and Jigba, so it was nice to see those guys have decent weeks. I expect both these teams to get more wins the rest of the year. Washington's a team that might make the playoffs in the NFC. I would definitely think that Seattle will. I still hold true to that, but Jeff, how do you feel about Geno Smith beating your boy? You've been talking about Sam Howell for a few weeks now. I still think Sam Howell looks good, considering that Seattle upgraded their defense at the trade deadline. So I still like where where Washington's going, they're a borderline playoff team at this juncture. I think the Seahawks are probably a playoff team at this juncture, but who knows what the Vikings do at some point also. They're kind of like a wild card flung in there. But uh yep. but yeah, Gino bounced back. I'll give you credit on that. Um but I don't think this is I don't think Gino can sustain this long term. I think this is like a he'll show up here and there and he'll go back to what he's been his entire career in the other weeks. So we'll see if he can continue it going forward, but I don't expect him to. All right, well, we got two more matchups here, and then we can kind of just do a brief breakdown of maybe the current playoff standings for both sides, where we are at after 10 weeks in, if that's something that you want to do. Um, But we can go ahead and start with the Sunday night matchup, the New York Jets versus Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders win it 16-12. to Jeff, do you think that there were enough field goals kicked in this matchup? Ha! No. Um, and it's funny because offline we we're talking about how the Jets were supposedly going to score a touchdown against the Chargers, and that's kind of where we are at. Um, Will they ever get but, another touchdown for the rest of the season? Not until Aaron comes back in mid-December. So <laughs> this was what the coach, what uh, Pierce said, the Raiders coach said that was a race to twenty. That's not a really good thing in the NFL. A race to twenty, and race I think it was a six. And Zach Wilson did a really good job. Yep, but Adams and Wilson and Garrett Wilson were target monsters in this one. I think it's getting close to time to being able to bench Myers. And then I did notice that Jacobs outran Brees Hall in this matchup. But Michael Carter was released this week, so Brees Hall might get an uptick in targets going forward because I did notice they used Michael Carter in passing situations more than I was comfortable with. So, yeah, that's kind of where... I'm at with that. You were right in this matchup. I was wrong. I picked the Jets because I assumed their defense would be able to keep uh, Aiden O'Connell down to almost nothing, but that did not happen, and they also couldn't score themselves. So just some interesting tidbits. What did I miss in this matchup here? Uh, Well, I mean, it was an ugly one. I think you basically covered everything. I'm not pulling the – I'm not pushing the panic button on Jacoby Myers yet. I just think that this was a tough defense for receivers to go against. I, I think I expect him to bounce back the next matchup so other than that i think you I think you covered everything all right we can move on to the monday night football matchup where you were right again and i was wrong again where the broncos beat the bills and i will let you start breaking this one down i know jeff that you think sometimes i just try to pick the crazy upset we were talking about this offline and i, I do sometimes try to be a little too smart about picking the matchups and with the Jets versus Chargers it, it didn't work out overanalyzed it too much but I felt like Denver is a team that they are starting to get their offense in order they definitely seem to have fixed their defense over the past three weeks uh, this was the best that I've ever seen 
or at least not ever seen instead I've seen this year for uh, Russell Wilson. I, I felt like the Buffalo Bills were struggling the last several weeks. I, I feel like that they have been very susceptible to an upset, that they're susceptible to a mediocre team that may not be you know, a high-level team. I just think that they're just falling apart. I think that the defense has been bad despite having a talented roster. I feel like the offense has been wildly inconsistent. I feel like Josh Allen throws very poor throws at the worst timing. So there's a stat that shows that he's actually the ninth best quarterback so far this year at turnover-worthy uh, throws, and yet he's been the most turnover-prone player in all the NFL over the last six years. I just think he's very efficient at self-destructive plays. I know we give him kudos for when it works out, when he throws into a tight window, when he throws something that no, most quarterbacks wouldn't get, but it works. But we should also point out that he's just had some brutal turnovers. And it's they fired their offensive coordinator. I don't think that that's going to fix it. I, I don't know what to do with the Bills. I'm not even sure that Josh Allen is a top-five quarterback anymore. I'm not sure. And I'm not saying he isn't. I'm just... I haven't seen the level that we're that we've seen in the past, and I'm not sure if he will return to that again. But I, I picked I picked the Broncos for all those reasons going into it, and it, it, I was right. Despite the Broncos trying to self destruct with their special teams play, they did pull off the win at the very end. Jeff, after all my word salads and my really long uh, rambling, how do you feel about the matchup? You're a rambling man, but that catch by Sutton was beautiful. Um, what could he be on a better team? Might find I, out soon. I felt like he's a better receiver than people give him credit for, but he's showing maybe it. he'll be maybe he'll be more if the team continues to improve. So Dorsey got fired, so that's something. Um, and it appears that Diggs might want out of Buffalo again. I don't know how true or false that is at this point, but his brother is not doing him any favors. But I don't know how many quarterbacks that he's going to find that are going to feed him like Josh Allen does. So I don't really know what he's getting by leaving, I guess is my question. So it's not like he's not a focal point of the offense. He is. He was under-targeted in this one particular game. It was one game. But Allen right now is struggling. I, I do believe that Allen, Herbert, Hurts, Burrow, they're all battling through some sort of injury. Purdy, they're all battling through some sort of injury right now. It's just kind of where we are at the state in the quarterback game. I think Mahomes might be the only fully healthy quarterback right now in the top little bit. And um, and it's really affecting the quarterback play and the points scored in this in the NFL right now. So it's definitely something the NFL has got to have to figure out is how to get better quarterback play from backups and or how to keep quarterbacks even more healthy than they already do because they throw a ton of roughing the passer penalties. I don't know if Dorsey getting fired helps the bills at all really because they went to um brady who is not who was fired by carolina last year or the year before so i don't know if he's the answer but uh they believe he's a better answer than dorsey right now and we will see what comes out of that <sighs> i didn't really like that matchup but mcdermott should be on his way out after this year you know how i feel about defensive coaches and the nfl so the, his uh, Stephon Diggs' brother Trayvon, who is the corner for the Cowboys and who has been out this year with an injury, like you said, he's been saying some stuff in the media in the Twitter slash experts. But he is also insinuating that Josh Allen is nothing without Stephon Diggs. And to be fair, to 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 give a little credit there, when when Diggs joined Buffalo in 2020, Josh Allen shot up 1,500 passing yards and 17 additional touchdowns from the previous year. He was a very mediocre, almost a bust quarterback, and then all of a sudden is a 4,500-yard-year quarterback in the air as well as his ground game and throwing 35-plus touchdowns every season. Now, you can say part of that's Dable as well, so the combination of Diggs and Dable being an offensive coach there helped Josh Allen too. but. If Diggs isn't there anymore, I don't know if Josh Allen will ever stay up at the the four thousands and be a perennial playoff guy. They have to replace that production for that to remain true. So I'm really questioning how good Josh Allen actually is. Maybe I'm crazy for doing that, but he doesn't seem like the quarterback You're that crazy. we thought he was over the past few years. You are crazy, sir, but that's okay. You're allowed to be crazy. 
that's this well within your I right. the Broncos. So <laughs> just to be a con- contrarian, and sometimes you can be right when you're a contrarian. You were oh, yeah. incorrect the week before when you tried to be a contrarian with the Jets and the Chargers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. win some, you lose some. But yep. you get to say you were right on that one when very few people can say they were right on that one. I will say the games that I pick, whether or not I'm correct or not on who wins, I do seem to highlight teams that are vulnerable that week that people might not expect. So at least at least I feel like I'm hitting on that even when I don't get the, the result correct. You are a mastermind and a guy who knows everything. There you go. And on that note, that does it for another episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, Jeff, before we leave, should we just briefly go over where playoff rankings are, playoff standings are right now? Do you want to do that? Sure. You got them pulled up? Yes. So let's talk about the NFC first because that is more straightforward. So right now we have Philadelphia with 8-1. and They're the number one seed. Detroit's the number two seed at seven and two. San Francisco is the three seed at six and three. And New Orleans is currently in the lead in the NFC South for that division title at five and five. We have Seattle and Dallas right behind those guys at six and three each. Minnesota is currently six and four. We don't know if that's going to stay for the rest of the year, but Tampa Bay, four and five, and Washington, four and six, Atlanta, four and six. Those are the likely teams that have any chance at upsetting and unseating those seven teams ahead of them. But it seems pretty set at the moment because six and four is uh, quite a lead over the teams behind them. And Jeff, do you think out of any of those guys, do you think that it's going to be as it is right now, Philly, Detroit, San Francisco, New Orleans, Seattle, Dallas, Minnesota, do you think that's going to stay into playoffs? Or do you think one of those teams gets knocked out? Like, What do you think? I think the Saints are the most likely team to get knocked out. Um, and it's by the Buccaneers because I don't think the Falcons or the Panthers are going to be the ones to knock them out of that area. Um, I think the Rams could make a playoff push, but they're three games, two and a half games behind the Vikings right now, but we'll see what that looks like going forward. Yeah, that's probably about it. The commanders could make a run too. So they're a team to look out for, but the Vikings and the saints are the two most vulnerable ones. Who do you think are? No, I think that's, I think that's a hundred percent right. So uh, yeah, the New Orleans Saints just, Based on the division title, they're very vulnerable. Minnesota, I don't know if they can win out the rest of the year. And I think that Tampa, Washington, and the Rams, I think I agree with you there, that they're the the teams that could potentially unseat those two. All right. So we can move on to the AFC, which is much more competitive and crowded. At this point, it's going to be difficult to see who actually ends up making it, but we can start at who is there as of this moment. We have... Kansas City, the number one seed, seven and two. Baltimore, the number two at seven and three. Jacksonville, number three at six and three. Miami at six and three to round out the four spot. And we currently have Pittsburgh and Cleveland at five and six, both at six and three for the record. Houston at five and four because of a tiebreaker. And then we have outside the playoffs, but with a chance to make it, Cincinnati at five and four. Indianapolis at five and five. That's a shocker. Buffalo and Las Vegas, both at five and five as well. The Los Angeles Chargers at four and five, as well as the New York Jets and Denver. So, man, that is a very close race. And who do you think makes it that's currently on the outside? Who do you think gets unseated that's currently projected to make it? How do you feel about this AFC side? Well, well, let me start off with the Colts um, at five and five. I don't believe that they're a playoff contender, but the fact that Gardner Minshew has won four or five games this season, I, I think that just shows you how good of a, a quarterback that he actually is. So I know you questioned that earlier, but my teams that have a shot of being eliminated from this, and there's really only two teams that I think have a shot to be eliminated from the current playoff contention, and that's the Steelers and the Texans. And I think they could easily be replaced by the Bengals, the Bills, or the Chargers down the stretch. But those are the only teams that I could see taking over for them. I think the Broncos are starting to make a case, but I'm still not quite there yet. Yeah, I don't I don't think the Broncos will make it this season, but it looks brighter for them next season than it did. And the same thing with the Jets, with Aaron Rodgers 
hopefully starting all season for them next year, that they have a higher chance of making the playoffs. I agree with you. I don't think Indianapolis is actually a real threat to make the playoffs, although kudos to them for the record that they have now, considering both of us thought they might be towards the bottom in, in the standings. You thought they might be the number one overall pick, but your boy Gardner Minshew has uh, kept them competitive so far. Cincy, I think, will make the playoffs, and I just don't know who they would knock out specifically. Houston, I don't think it's as likely Houston stays in, in the playoff race, so I agree with you there. I'm not saying no to that, but I didn't project them going into the season to be where they are now. Um, Buffalo and Chargers, I feel like something needs to change for them to bounce back. They have the quarterbacks, we think. They have weapons, we think. Uh, they should be able to turn it around, bounce back. I expect teams like Indianapolis, Las Vegas, the Jets, I expect those teams to drop. And I just don't know if it's Pittsburgh or Cleveland that also drop, but they both could still make it. All right. Anything else to add on that? I think that's it. All right. We'll keep everyone posted every couple of weeks on that, and I'm assuming there'll be some change, but we're getting pretty firmed up as we get later in the season with our playoff teams. Okay. All right. Well, we can wrap this up. So that does it for another episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading and listening to this episode. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. You can find us on all podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy and with our handle at N2E Fantasy on all social media platforms. Please join our community and give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Bye, everybody.